Hey, you know, I've given you an opportunity to email or call or write on a piece of paper any question that you want answered. Nobody's done that, so I found a question this week. Here it is. What kind of miracle can a complainer do? They can turn anything into wine. All right. Hey. Keep those cards and letters coming in, folks. This morning, Mike, did we get that logo? I don't guess we did. Ah, Tuesday at Tomoka. Our uh, tech, our uh, communications department, they're a, they're a magic group of people like our tech guys in the back. You just go back and say, boy, I wish I had this. And you leave them alone and you get it. So this is a kickoff of Tuesday at Tomoka. Now, I have had people ask me questions. What are you doing? Uh, I don't want, you know, I've told you before, don't be afraid. Uh, don't set your hair on fire and run outside. Uh, we're just really going to define what goes on here at Tuesday. You see, Tomoka Church is one large church. And there's a lot of things that go on. And so when you invite someone and you say to them, come to Tuesday church, they may think that this is like a separate church that just meets here. Actually, you're simply a part of the body of Christ. And I want people to understand that Tuesday at Tomoka is a special day. Saturday night at Tomoka, special evening. Sunday at Tomoka, special day. And so that's why I changed the verbiage to uh, Tuesday at Tomoka. I will announce we have T-shirts coming. Uh, we have our mission department is coming up with some mission trips that we're going to be able to do. Uh, I was glad to introduce you to my friend, Mike Stevenson. You see, a lot of times missionaries come in on weekends, and a lot of you are not here, so you don't know what's going on. And one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ is communication. Amen? So if there is a missionary in town and they stay to Tuesday, you're going to meet them and have an opportunity to be a part of the work that they're doing as we obey the Great Commission and to go for places we may not be able to go and to do things together that individually we can't do. But mainly, I don't want us to lose focus on the body of Christ. I've given the better part of my life to serving the body of Christ. It is unique in every aspect from its beginning it our beginning began with an open tomb have you ever thought about that an empty tomb was the beginning of the instrument god would use to change the world you know singing that song everybody needs jesus and they do 
But not everybody's going to walk into a crowded service on Saturday night or Sunday. In fact, there's a lot of people in Daytona Beach who either work or can't get out on the weekends. And you have an opportunity to invite a friend, a lost friend, someone to come on Tuesday, hear great music, have a great meal. And when we have a guest speaker, you'll have a great preacher. So, you know, the combination is just absolutely unbeatable because everybody does need the Lord. And this Tuesdays are simply a front door into this church, a sample of body life that can go on. And so I don't want us to lose focus on that. And so I stepped away from Exodus today. I exited Exodus today. We'll pick it up next week to talk about the body of Christ. There's a football coach. I love love football. I promised the lady the other night I don't like Indiana basketball, so I won't talk about that. But I do absolutely love football. And, and there was a great coach back in my day. And his name was Vince Lombardi. 1960, Vince Lombardi won a Super Bowl. In 1962, when they, or excuse me, in 1960, he won a Super Bowl. 1961, he came to spring training and he said this. Gentlemen, this is a football. And then every spring after that, he went back. Gentlemen, this is a football. Well, I want us to understand what is the church? What is a church? Right there. You see, whenever we have been sabotaged to think of our church as a building, then that will lead Satan to help you say, you know, that old church down there, because you're talking about them. But when you realize that every born again Christian who has come to this church and said, we want to be a part of the church, you're the church wherever you go. And that's the beauty of the great commission. And we'll get into that great commission, but the church is the body of Christ. Now, our government, and I hear people write these, this phrase up, and it makes me mad. They lump a church with other faith-based organizations. Okay? That's like if you say, what does your son look like? And I say, he has two arms. Does that tell you anything about my son? No. The church is distinctive. And it is only considered faith from the standpoint of who we have faith in. And that faith is in a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is not in this great building and all of the technical expertise that we have. We exist to do what we do because of a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who has assigned us to gather a kingdom because one day he's not going to come back out of a tomb. He's going to stand triumphant on the Mount of Olives. And when he does that, he's going to shout from one part of heaven to another, it's finished. Battle's over. But until that time, we're in a war. 
And until that time, we need to find unique ways to reach people. I went to some experts on the church. Joe was busy, so I talked to the Apostle Paul. (laughs) In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 17, we're going to read some verses. Now, I'm picking up where Paul has said that he doesn't cease to give thanks for you, which is the Christians in the Ephesus church and the churches in the Ephesus area. He said, I always thank God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, what better identification, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. You see, in a Christian's life, that is the key. Jesus Christ, when he talked to his disciples and when he commissioned us through his disciples, if you remember John 17, the high priest prayed, he said, I'm praying for you guys, meaning his disciples, but he said, I'm also praying for those who will follow you. You and I are the people who follow Jesus. And Jesus has never made a demand on us that he himself does not fulfill. And so the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of revelation is of Christ himself. Because when you understand who Jesus is, you understand our role in this world. The word Christian came from someplace very, very strange. The people used to watch the disciples, and they called them little Christ. That's where the word Christian came from, because they simply picked up and carried on the life of Christ. Let's go on. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The reason we need to really refocus on the church and to realize that you are the church wherever you go. And that church is not simply somewhere to go on Tuesday or Saturday or Sunday. And and you see, folks, in the eyes of the world, that's what we've turned it into. I, I have talked to, I don't know, thousands of people in my ministry. And I would say to them, hey, tell me your story. Tell me your story. Well, Pastor, I belong to such and such, the Third Baptist Church at Podunk. And, and I, I serve in the Sunday school department. And uh, I take up the offering and I give out communion. And they, they just give me a list. That wasn't what I asked them what their story was about. I ask others and now I say, tell me your story. Well, Pastor, I haven't been to church in a while. You see, this church only has distinction and it only has meaning when Jesus Christ is living in you because you want to gather with the body of Christ because there is strength in numbers. There's courage in numbers. There's hope in numbers. We can accomplish so much. You know, this morning I said these 200 kids, 195 left, hope that we can reach these children and we only do that. When we do it together and we have this living hope 
It, it's not a hope out there somewhere. You know, when I, I was younger and we had all these kids and like everybody else, you have more kids and you have money. And, and they would say, Daddy, are we going to do this? And I'd say, I hope so. Well, you know, that just meant I, I hoped in some way. And in the back of my mind, I really didn't know if that was ever come to pass. But you know, anything you say about Jesus and you say, I hope, that hope is solid. That hope has already come to pass waiting for us to simply catch that promise. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints? We have two inheritances. Number one, when we, when God calls us home and we close our eyes in the sleep and awake in his presence, we have an, an inheritance that absolutely cannot be taken away from us. We have an eternity spent with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're forever going to sing. We're forever going to praise him. That is an inheritance that the stock market can't hurt. But folks, I want you to realize that we have an inheritance on this earth. God has promised his children certain things. And when we stand and live in the promises of the things, sometimes those things will be things that are evident and things that we can see. But many times it's simply the promise that Jesus Christ knows all things. It's a promise that he is sovereign over all things. And he works his good will to those who are called in Christ. And Satan can't take that away from you. Nothing in this world can touch the inheritance of an abundant life in this life. And the inheritance of an abundant, great life is with Christ forever in eternity. What else we got, Mike? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Have you ever had the feeling you just don't have any power? You know, you want to be positive. You want to have faith. But you just can't muster it. Maybe the circumstances are trying to compress you. Maybe you want to do something for the Lord. Maybe you want to go on a trip for the Lord. Maybe... With all your might, you want to be able to do something. You feel like God. And you say, I just don't have the power. I I can't do it. That power that God himself has promised us through Christ is measurable this way. It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, there's not a greater power in heaven and earth than that power that called the Son of God out of that grave, you know, he even took time to fold the linen. He was very, you know, he, he, he just, he was good that way. But he folded it up because he didn't need it anymore. You see, he was alive. And he was going to be alive forevermore. And so in those times of our life that we feel like we can't put one more foot ahead of us, we need to realize that God has given us a power. And you see, the problem when we lose focus 
of what the body of Christ is and what it's about. We begin to focus on ourselves in our abilities and our opportunities, and we begin to make the excuses in life. Many people our age think life is all over. Listen, I'll tell you, every day that you wake up and you can eat oatmeal and have a cup of coffee, there's hope for that day and the promises for that day and the power for that day. And God has given you that day for a specific reason because he's in the business of divine appointments. The church has only one task. One. See, we, we get complicated. <laughs> we think that there's a thousand things. There is a thousand things that the individual people in this church have to do. But the church as a body of Christ has one task. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. That's what Christ gave as the task of his followers. They were to take the good news that they experienced and take it through their streets, through their states, into the world, even the uttermost parts of the earth. In one Acts, God calls us to be a witness. Now, there's two types of witnesses. You go into a court, and maybe you saw a car wreck, and you get on the stand, and the judge, uh, lawyer said, what did you see? Well, I saw car A hit car B. Anybody can witness what they've seen. But that's not simply the witness that you and I are. You and I are expert witnesses, and I mean that with all of my heart. We are experts in the salvation of Jesus Christ because Christ said it and we have experienced it. Now, people can laugh at your testimony all they want to, but they cannot take it away from you because you are the expert of the miracle power of Jesus Christ and salvation in him and the equipping for service throughout our entire life. When you read chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, it talks about a lot of the Hebrew, all, a lot of the, the heroes and heroines of our faith. But then there's a statement that said, all these died not seeing the promise, but yet all of their lives. They pursued the promise of God. And while they were on earth, they never saw it or visualized it. But when they died, (laughs) they saw him face to face. That's the call for us to pursue the promise of Christ as expert witnesses of what this world needs. And even when we don't see the change we want to see, One day we'll see the one who can change. What is the church? Fourth chapter of Ephesians, beginning in verse 11, says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. Let me put in here. In your King James, it says, be perfect. In reality, that is be mature, be grown up, put on your big boy pants 
and live life. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ. Is, is, is Joe or, or Cord or any, or one of you the measurement that which we are measured by? No. Our life is to be filled to the fullness of Christ. His heart. His willingness to give. His willingness to pour his life into others as he walked on this earth. That is our measurement. The fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed around to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Listen, I have talked to people and many questions. They'll say, Pastor, do you have a a book of the occults? (laughs) I say, yeah, what do you want to do? I want to study them so that I'll know uh, how not to get tricked into an occult. Well, I'm going to tell you how not to get tricked into a cult. Same way the FBI and their counterfeit department can recognize counterfeit money. They memorize what's real, every detail. And when they see something counterfeit, they don't have to scratch their head. It immediately comes to them. When you know the truth, truly it'll set us free. Because you're not going to be tricked by everyone. That's why it says, don't be children. You know, you can trick kids to do anything. We do it all the time. It's not nice, but we do it. Come on. You know, don't sit there going, oh, I've never tricked my kid. Talk to the hand. Uh, We're to be mature and we are to know the exact Truth, so that anything that comes in our ears from somebody, that Holy Spirit bell goes off and you just turn in and turn out because it's not the truth. Carried away by every way, by human cunning, by the craftiness and the deceitful schemes. We have a real enemy named Satan. He doesn't, to my knowledge, have a red suit. Pointed ears, pitched fork, and a forked tail. Satan was the most beautiful of all God's creation. And when he tempts, he tempts with beauty. And he said, this is the most beautiful thing. This is the most satisfying thing. This will fill your life where it is cunning. And he uses humans. He speaks and works through human beings in deceitfulness to pull you away from the church. What is the church? The church is a group of mature and growing believers in Jesus Christ who continually take step by step until they obtain that fullness of Christ, which will not be obtained in this world. It's when we graduate and go into heaven. There's a story of a man who took a piece of gigantic piece of granite and he took a chisel and a hammer and he began to beat on that granite. And out of that came the most beautiful statue of a bear. I mean, it was exactly like the bear in every way and it was beauty. And so the television got a hold of it and they put it on TV and they sent one of those real wise reporters that have all the, what I call stupid questions. They'll walk up to somebody after they've been knocked down and say, how do you feel? You know, it's like, okay. 
But he asked this guy, how in the world did you take that piece of granite and turn it into that bear? The guy said, it's simple. I simply chiseled away everything that didn't look like a bear. And you see, there's a word that we use called sanctification. And it scares people. And there's all kinds of doctrines of sanctification. Everybody's got all of this idea. But it's really pretty simple. And it has to be for me to know it. Sanctification is simply through trials, through heartaches, through joys, through victories, through defeats, through life. Jesus Christ chisels away everything in our life that doesn't look like Jesus. And that's how he obtains it. And, you know, we're sitting here saying, boy, my age, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. I don't have any more trials. Let me tell you a story about a guy who's 118 years old. Started out at 75. God said, get out of your country. He's a rich man. Get out of your country, leave your family. You read the life of Abraham, he had one trial after another, one test of faith. And at 118 years old, I can imagine he reclined in that tent, got a little goat cheese and a grape and said, life's good. And God showed up and said, I want you to sacrifice your son, the promised son, the one you waited 25 years for, the promise that God said through your seed, all the earth would be blessed. Father Abraham put down his cheese and his raisins and saddled a donkey and got the fire. Took the knife and got the wood and a rope. And they headed to the appointed place the very next morning. You see, God called Abraham one last time. Abraham, I want to see if there's anything that you love more than me. And you see, that's a serious situation. When we love something or someone more than we love the Lord God. Because you see, that puts that object, it puts that person in danger. Because we have placed them before God. We will, as long as we live on this earth, continually will have testing. So be of good cheer and hope. That's not the bad news that you're going to be tested. The good news is that in Christ, you're going to pass the test. All right. What does the church look like? What does it look like? Well, again, our expert, the apostle Paul wrote first Corinthians chapter 12. And at the beginning of verse 12, he said this. For the body, just as the body is one and has member, many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. You see my refocus? Can you, this, these verses bring it in. We are not a separate unity, uh, separate church of our own. We are one part of the body of Christ. Individually, you are one part of the body of Christ. But though there be many, there is only one body. Okay? For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. 
For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. For if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Let me take it from here, Mike. You can read the rest of that, and it says, what if the hand? Well, here's what I wondered. What if the body was an eye? What would the church look like? Is that church? Is that even a body? Well, what if it was your big toe? Toes are ugly, aren't they? You see, the point of this is sometimes we get so built up that we think we are the body. And other times we get down so low that we don't think we're a part of the body. Or maybe we fail and we say, I've failed and I'm not a part of the body. The body has many, many, many members. It's the most unique creation of all creation. The way everything is just put together with things. And God created that. Now you take that illustration to the body of Christ. We're a unique organism. The church is not an organization. It is a living, thriving organism with parts and pieces you don't know how many people it takes just to, to bring one service to pass. How many people it takes to feed. How many people it takes to go to the mission trip, to plant. Everything that we do, it takes a lot of people with a lot of gifts and abilities and talents. And I'm afraid that this group has been lost out. You've, you've lost out to opportunities to continue to serve the God with one thing that you cannot get in continuing education. Now, listen, high school, college, all that's great. But there is nothing that beats the knowledge you gain from living life every day for a long time. You see, that's what we call in the South street sense. And you see, that's something that's desperately needed. Your voice, your contribution to know, to be confident of a witness. Last week we had a baptism. I weep this week. We don't have any. Because you see, this is an opportunity in a wonderful environment to bring someone in, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time. And then receive Christ as their Savior. Maybe it's a time for us to pull up our, our bootstraps. Maybe it's time for us to get rejuvenated. And to realize it's just don't wander down here on Tuesday morning and sit around and get some meals. Why would you want to do that? Particularly if it's raining or cold or in August when it's hot. But you see, this is a thriving organism. And it has a plot and a plan to overthrow the world. Not militarily, but with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're the witnesses. You are the body of Christ. This morning, I never assume that everyone in a room knows Christ personally. Has had that experience of being convicted of their sin and then that horrifying knowledge that I can't do anything about it. I, I can't change myself. I've tried. I've failed so many times. 
There's a penalty awaiting. But then I tell you, Jesus Christ paid the penalty. It's like having money in the bank and you not drawing it out. Christ wants you to live with him forever. He wants you to have an abundant life on this earth and an imperishable inheritance for others. This morning, I'm going to be over here. There are others here that will talk with you. If you'd like to know more about receiving Christ as your Savior, please don't sit there and wonder. Come. Catch me outside. Call me. If you're here and you're a Christian, I want to challenge you. We have trips. Mike would love to have some people go with him down to Costa Rica. I mean, what better place to suffer for Jesus than in Costa Rica? But you're going to hug children that maybe don't have anybody to hug them. You're going to watch them eat the food you provided and wear the clothes. You're going to see eight churches and one that's being established that is thriving in the South, changing the thought process. And you see, that's only one place in the world we got places here. I'd like for you in your heart today to mentally say to God, Lord, however you can use me. In fact, I was told of a way. Every Tuesday, we need two camera people. Do you know how to use a camera? You can run these cameras. And we need that. We need it desperately. And so all you have to do is let me know. Pastor, I'll do that. We'll train you. You get in free, and you get a free meal if you run the camera. I, I, I mean, listen. Listen, I know no bounds in my generosity. Pray about that. God has talked to some people because we never have a need without God providing the need. So you think about that. Fathers, we come to you today. I get excited about your word. It's truth to the nth degree. It's life to the nth degree. It's power. Father, I pray today if there is one person in this room that does not know Christ, I pray that you would fill them with holy boldness, that they would not wait for another day or another time, but come this morning. And I pray that you charge our group here, Lord. Father, we need we, we, we could we can hold two, three hundred people that love, want to love Jesus, want to serve, want to find that place. Lord, turn us into your witnesses, turn us into your learners, your followers. God bless the work of your hands and plant the seeds. But, oh God, this this church would begin to be able to reach to the uttermost in even better ways than they ever had. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.